0: Good morning. How's everybody? Wonderful, good. I am... uh, I'll go ahead and tell you, of course, if, if you have allergies like I do, you're probably struggling with this pollen. So... I will try my best not to cough. I'll try my best not to uh, interrupt what God wants to say, but I do feel like God's given me a message today, and I'm really excited about it. So, without further ado... The message, the title of the message is No Hesitation. Now, I'll give a disclaimer typically like I do because I look out through the crowd and I see a lot of new faces. Okay. And so I see a lot of old faces. Most of you know who I am. I'm Mark Wyatt. I've been a part of CFM for over 20 years now. I'm an elder here, so I'm not one of the regular uh, speakers. I'm not a pastor. So I I throw that out, that disclaimer out. So if you don't like what I had to say, um, then you take it up with God, and then He'll He'll work it out with you. But I do feel like God has something to use this old insurance guy because I sell insurance for a living. Uh, so I'll tell you about myself. I'm married. I have three daughters, and so I have four women in my household, and I have one bathroom, and that's the reason why I don't have hair. So, and um, so anyway, I'm going to be talking about. First Samuel. Um, Donnie has started a Bible study class on Sunday morning, and it's, uh, and it's based on a book. Is Where's Donnie at? I haven't lost Donnie. Usually I say Don. It's, uh, it, they Walk With God, I think is the name of the book, right? It's by Max Licato And, man, it, it has been a lot of fun. I mean, it's, it's really been. And last week we studied in First Samuel 25, and, man, there was just... So much, I went back and I meditated over that for a couple of weeks, and man, there was just so much good stuff and i I felt like that 's where God wanted us to be this morning. but I want to ask you guys some questions: how many of you men okay how many of you guys are self motivated like how many of you are self motivated I want to see some hands <clears throat> self motivated well, you don't act like you're motivated. Ooh, okay. Well, I guarantee you I'll get a response. How many of you are wife motivated? Yeah, you better raise your hand. Yeah, help him. That's right, help him raise his hand. Well, see the, the thing about the thing about being self motivated. You, I'm self motivated as well. <clears throat> um, I work for my I work for our, our agency. My dad and um, and have been there for twenty. One years, 22 years now, and um, my dad doesn't, you know, he doesn't demand that I sell a certain amount of insurance or anything like that. But I'm motivated. I want to, I want to do my very best, and I want to to do right by the customer, and everything. But, um, but there's also, if, if deep down inside, if I were to really be truly honest, there are a lot of things that motivate me. To do my job. Like, you know, I'm the primary breadwinner in my household. So I've got four women that motivate me to get up every single solitary day to go and do the very best that I absolutely can because I want to make them proud of their dad and their husband. You know, some of us who are self motivated, we're motivated by money, right? Well, let's just be honest with you. How many of you go to a job that you don't get paid for? Okay? Some of you do. Some of you do. But for the most part, most of us go to a job where you're going to get compensated, right? Okay. Some of us are motivated by the power that comes with doing something, right? Uh, some of us, if we we're truly honest, we're sort of motivated by the fear of failure. We, 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 fear will drive Will drive you to really be motivated. So, if you look at your wife, if your wife motivated, then what motivates you? And that's the retort you can answer the question. And do good, guys, because this is your chance to get brownie points. Okay. So, if your wife motivated, what do you do? What motivates you? Love. Love. Yeah, love does. Right. What else motivates you? Fear, yeah. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Someone else said fear. Yeah. You know, some guys are motivated by, we'll say, since I'm preaching, affection. Okay? We want affection from our wife, right? Well, regardless of whatever you're motivated by, there's something that's going to motivate a guy. Because a guy has, you know, we've we've studied this before, and it's Mark Gungor who who teaches this. Men are in boxes, you know. And if it were like, I really believe, seriously, I really believe this is why God created Eve. Okay? Because if, if he had just stopped at Adam, here's probably what the world would look like. Okay, Adam would go to this nothing box, and he'd do absolutely nothing all day. Then he'd move over to his eating box, and he'd eat a little bit, but then he'd go right back over to his nothing box. And he'd probably sit there and do nothing. And then he may go to the bathroom box, and then he'd go slip right back over here to the nothing box. I really and truly believe that God give us eaves to help motivate us. Now, we're going to go to this story in 1 Samuel for, uh, chapter 25, and if you were looking at this story from the world's perspective, and if if you want to like the National Enquirer edition of this story, here's how it goes: You've got this beautiful girl, this beautiful woman named Abigail. Abigail's beautiful; she's so sweet. But guess what? She's married to this rich guy. But he's just shrewd and just nasty, you know. Well, what happens is this rich guy named Nabal, some say Nabal, Nabal doesn't make any difference. His name means fool. He opens up his mouth to the wrong person. And so what ends up happening is his wife Abigail has to go save the day because the guy who he runs his mouth against is coming to kill him. So she comes in, she saves the day, goes before this guy, says, look, you know, I take full responsibility. I take full blame. So he forgives. She goes back and she tells her husband, she says, look, here's what happened. Well, he ends up having a stroke. And some days later, he perishes, he dies. But y'all, it don't stop there. It gets juicier. Then what happens is, is that she goes and she marries the guy who is coming to kill her husband. woo And you're talking about young and restless good. That's young and restless, got light all wrapped up in the one, days of our lives, whatever. So that's the world's version of what the story is about. But Karen is so gracious and kind, since I'm struggling a little bit with my voice, she's going to read you the God version because they're just like a good gossip that's what you just got was a gossip version of the real story. so Karen's going to read the real story of what I just described
1: first samuel twenty five there was a wealthy man from Mayon who owned property near the town of Carmel. He had 3,000 sheep and a 1,000 goats, and it was sheep-shearing time. This man's name was Nabal, and his wife Abigail was a sensible and beautiful woman. But Nabal, a descendant of Caleb, was crude and mean in all his dealings. When David heard that Nabal was shearing his sheep, he sent ten of his young men to Carmel with this message for Nabal. Peace and prosperity to you, your family, and everything you own. I am told that it is sheep shearing time. While your shepherds stayed among us near Carmel, we never harmed them, and nothing was ever stolen from them. Ask your own men, and they will tell you this is true. So would you be kind to us since we have come at a time of celebration? Please share any provisions you might have on hand with us and with your friend, David. David's young men gave this message to Nabal in David's name, and they waited for a reply. Who is this fellow David? Nabal sneered to the young men. Who does this son of Jesse think he is? There are lots of servants these days who run away from their masters. Should I take my bread and my water and my meat that I've slaughtered for my shearers and give it to a band of outlaws who come from who knows where? So David's young men returned and told him what Nabal had said. Get your swords, was David's reply, as he strapped on his own. Then 400 men started off with David, and 200 remained behind to guard their equipment. Meanwhile, one of Nabal's servants went to Abigail and told her, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, but he screamed insults at them. These men have been very good to us, and we never suffered any harm from them. Nothing was stolen from us the whole time they were with us. In fact, day and night, they were like a wall of protection to us and the sheep. You need to know this and figure out what to do. There is going to be trouble for our master and his whole family. He is so ill-tempered that no one can even talk to him. Abigail wasted no time. She quickly gathered 200 loaves of bread, two wineskins full of wine, five sheep that had been slaughtered, nearly a bushel of roasted grain, a hundred clusters of raisins, and 200 fig cakes. She packed them on donkeys and said to her servants, go on ahead. I will follow you shortly. But she didn't tell her husband, Nabal, what she was doing. As she was riding her donkey into a mountain ravine, she saw David and his men coming toward her. David had just been saying, a lot of good it did to help this fellow. We protected his flocks in the wilderness, and nothing he owned was lost or stolen. But he has repaid me evil for good. May God strike me and kill me if even one man of his household is still alive tomorrow morning. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed low before him. She fell at his feet and said, I accept all blame in this matter, my lord. Please listen to what I have to say. I know Nabal is a wicked and ill-tempered man. Please don't pay any attention to him. He is a fool, just as his name suggests. But I never even saw the young men you sent. Now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, since the Lord has kept you from murdering and taking vengeance into your own hands, let all your enemies and those who try to harm you be as cursed as Nabal is. And here is a present that I, your servant, have brought to you and your young men. Please forgive me if I have offended you in any way. The Lord will surely reward you with a lasting dynasty, for you are fighting the Lord's battles, and you have done and you have not done wrong throughout your entire life. Even when you are chased by those who seek <clears throat> to kill you, Your life is safe in the care of the Lord your God, secure in his treasure pouch. But the lives of your enemies will disappear like stones shot from a sling. When the Lord has done all he promised and has made you leader of Israel, don't let this be a blemish on your record then your conscience won't have to bear the staggering burden of needless bloodshed and vengeance. And when the Lord has done these great things for you, please remember me, your servant. David replied to Abigail, Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you to meet me today. Thank God for your good sense. Bless you for keeping me from murder and from carrying out vengeance with my own hands. For I swear by the Lord, the God of Israel, who has kept me from hurting you, that if you had not hurried out to meet me, not one of Nabal's men would still be alive tomorrow morning. Then David accepted her present and told her, Return home in peace. I have heard what you said, and we will not kill your husband. When Abigail arrived home, she found that Nabal was throwing a big party and was celebrating like a king. He was very drunk, so she didn't tell him anything about her meeting with David until dawn the next day. In the morning, when Nabal was sober, his wife told him what had happened. As a result, he had a stroke and he lay paralyzed on his bed like a stone. About 10 days later, the Lord struck him and he died. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Praise the Lord who has avenged the insult I received from Nabal and has kept me from doing it myself. Nabal has received the punishment for his sin. Then David sent messengers to Abigail to ask her to become his wife. When the messengers arrived at Carmel, they told Abigail, David has sent us to take you back to marry him. She bowed low to the ground and responded, I, your servant, would be happy to marry David. I would even be willing to become a slave, washing the feet of his servants. Quickly getting ready, she took along five of her servant girls as attendants, mounted her donkey, and went with David's messengers. And so she became his wife.
0: Wow. (laughs) Juicy, right? Man, I tell you, that I probably have read that story back a long time ago. But when we studied it last week, it's like, oh my gosh. Wow, that is crazy. That's like Chester Crazy, y'all. That's like Chester Crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. When you think about that story, how many of you have ever dealt with a Nabal? How many of you ever dealt with a nayball, yeah well not too bad. How many of you ever been a nayball? Raise your hand, yeah, let me give you a little thought to think on. You might as well everybody might raise your hand because you 've all been a nayball at one time or another. I know I certainly have, so I want to we'll dive a little bit deeper into a naball in just a moment. But how many of you have been a David where you had the authority but, but you had forgiveness? How many of you have had that happen? But then also, how many of you have been an Abigail where you've been the peacemaker? Well, there's a lot of, lot of different characters in the story. Well, if you look at Nabal, we'll look at him a little bit closer. <clears throat> okay, he's he's obviously he's selfish. He's a very wealthy man, of course. You know, gosh, you see all that the guy owned. I mean, man, he had a ton of property and possessions and everything else. But he's cocky. You know, you can hear that in his response when when the servants of David come to him and he says, "Who is this David?" And then he turns right around and what's he say? He says, who's this son of Jesse think that he is? Well, he knew who David was. He's just being cocky. He's just being kind of arrogant. Well, he knows who David is. But then you also hear the selfishness come out when he talks about, well, my bread, my water, my meat. You hear the selfishness come out, don't you? Well, then you also... You look at the Nabals, and and I'll frame it like this. Nabals don't mind you helping them to get ahead. Okay, They'll use you for their purpose, and they'll do whatever they need to, and it's fine for you to help them. And you know what? It's actually okay for the Nabals to help you as long as it's on their condition. You know, I'll read this. I don't want to mess it up. This is what the Lord gave me about the Nabals. They probably like to feel needed, but they also like the choice of whether to help you or not. And they enjoy the power and ability to do so. Now think about that. But here's the thing that you can you can bet on the Nabals is this. Their motivation is totally and always selfish, purely selfish. And I promise you, if you deal with a Nabal, that action, it will benefit them. In some ways, therefore, now you may be blessed by it as well, but I promise you they are going to find a benefit for them, plain and simple. Now, let's look at David. Now, David, we know he's God's man, right? I mean, he, his, God's hands has always, always been on David. Always. You know, even when he did wrong, it seemed like God's hands was still upon him, and his favor rests on David. But, you know, I like what David said. Notice David's attitude when he sent his messengers. First off, he starts blessing Nabal, doesn't he? He starts blessing Then he also takes the set for hey, I bless you, I bless your your family, and I bless your possessions. See he doesn't just come right out of the gate and just ask for something. I mean, he reminds him of really who he is, you know, and the and the opportunity that he has, you know, the favor that, that rests upon Nabal, even if he doesn't see it as favor. Then he reminds him of the work, doesn't he? He says, hey, you know, look, not only did I protect you, but you know you can go ask your servants. He's also telling him about his, David's reminding him about his character. Look, you didn't have to worry about me stealing anything, dude. You didn't have to worry about that at all. I was honest the whole time. My motivation was pure the whole time that I protected your flocks. So he reminds him. And notice what he says. He doesn't say, hey, give me this much. You know, hey, I hate to say it, but probably his wife gave him more than probably what David was probably even asking for, even thinking he was going to get. If you think about it. He just asked him, he says, would you be so kind to share any provisions? He left it up to the dude to give him what he wanted. He's not being selfish. So, what happens? David gets the reply. And not only is it a reply from Nabal, what does he do? I mean, the dude insults him. I mean, who does he think he is? This brood of, you know, thieves or whatever. You know, how insulting. And cocky this guy is. What does David do? No hesitation at all. What's he say? He says, "Get your swords, boys. We're gonna go take care of business. Get your swords." That—that's pretty bold. Now, we look at the star of the story. Well, what we would think of the star story, of course, sweet little beautiful Abigail. You know, the Bible tells of her beauty, doesn't it? Now, I'm not saying I'm not saying that God couldn't have used an ugly woman. Okay? I'm not saying that at all. Okay? We know the story of Rachel and Leah, where Rachel was much more beautiful than than, than Leah, but guess who got to have the kids? Leah did, didn't she? So I'm not saying God can't use the ugly woman. I'm not saying that at all. But look who you're dealing with. You're dealing with David. Y'all, this guy, he always has had something for a pretty woman. Hadn't he? He's always had something for pretty women. If David were to tell you right now, he said, David don't do ugly. Okay? you got to think about that. God uses Abigail's beauty for such a time as this. And. And it just so happened to be with a guy who has a thing for beautiful women. Well, let's go on and look at Abigail a little bit. <clears throat> just like David, no hesitation, right? When she hears what her husband has said, she jumps right into action, doesn't she? No hesitation whatsoever. She she just jumps right in. She knows what has to be done, and she knows the urgency because she understands that the wages of sin is death, and death is exactly what David is going to bring so if you look at that, she doesn 't hesitate, so she goes right in, she takes control of the situation, she gets food, she gets wine, she gets meat, she throws some raisins and and man, to top it all off what does she do she got two hundred cakes i mean she 's got though she got the meal she got the full full course meal. Appetizers, main course, dessert, anything in between—she's got it. The wine, every—I mean, everything this woman has thought. How many of you guys—and you can raise your hand because you can give your wife a little kudos. How many of you guys would have thought that out? I wouldn't have. I wouldn't. I may get a guy some goats, and, and I've been walking on the stream. You know, here you go, David. You know, but this lady, she spares nothing, does she? She has everything prepared, and she knows exactly what she needs to do. Well, if you look at that, a woman's intuition, my mama, God rest her soul, my mama always told me. Of course, I was raised with two two sisters. I've been around women all my life. But I was raised with two sisters, so I had and just me and my dad was on two guys in the house. But my mama always raised. She said, "Son, don't you ever think you can ever get, keep keep something from your wife? Because she'll know it. It's in our intuition, and you know what? She's right. If you, if a man were to lie to his wife, I promise you, she probably already knew ahead of time. That's just a woman's intuition. And just like this story, she was right. I mean, she knew that death was coming." And she sprung into action, and guess who she meets on the road coming to kill her husband? She meets David. So she knows. Regardless of whether women intuition or whatever, Spirit of God, I'm telling you, she knew. Well, you track along. David, of course, imagine being on this road, and I don't know if it's at night or whatever, but anyway, I mean, here here you're Coming down this road, you got 400 guys that's behind you, and here you got this beautiful woman coming with all this food. What do you think he's going to do? Uh, I'm still going to go kill him. Nope. He tastes it as the Lord's intervention, doesn't he? He says, hey, God's intervening. It just so happened he's using a beautiful woman, and she's got to spread of food, you know, for all my guys. It's probably more than what I ever would have thought Nabal would have ever done. So what does he do? He relents. You know, he changes his mind, doesn't he? Because, see, here's the deal. Abigail's realized there's more to stake than just the person, just one person, right? I mean, David was going to not only kill Nabal, he was going to kill all the guys as well. See, a true Abigail knows there's much more at stake than just one person. It may be a family, it may be a whole generation. You never know. So, he recognizes it, he stops, he takes the Lord's intervention. Stops his plan. So, how does this story relate to the big story of Jesus Christ? Well, if you look at David, David is like God the Father. He can bring wrath, can he? he? He has the ability and he has every right because he is a holy and righteous no sin whatsoever, can't look at it, can't tolerate it, can't see it, anything. And he has the ability to kill you and I and give us exactly what we deserve. And that's death because of our sin. It's not because of who he is and what he's done. It's because of what we've done. Okay? So, go on to Abigail. Who is our Abigail? Who's our Abigail? Anybody? Jesus Christ. That's right. He jumps right in the way and he says, Look here, Dad, Mark White is an idiot. I know he's an idiot. I know, I know, I know he does stupid stuff. But look here, I take the blame for him. I willingly take the blame and look, Dad, I don't have cakes and I don't have meat and I don't have raisins and all that kind of stuff. But here's what I do have is I have the blood that I shed on the cross for him. And you know what God does? He says, that's enough. That's enough. And that's the Abigail that Christ is for you and for me. Now, when I said earlier, how many of you have been a Nabal? And I said, all of us can raise our hand. Let me tell you, every one of you in this room has been a Nabal. At one time or another, before you come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, you and I were Nabal. We were foolish. We were so foolish to think that, you know what? There's nothing that I can do that I, don't, that I, can, I can live out a moral life And that's good enough for God. Not even recognizing that there's a need for an Abigail in Jesus Christ. We think we're so cocky and foolish that we think that, oh, you know what, I can get to heaven and I'll please God on my own merit. And it's stupid, y'all. I hate to say it, it. Before Christ, we're all Nabal. There's absolutely nothing that you or I can ever do to pacify and satisfy a holy and righteous God, absolutely nothing. I don't care how good you live. I don't care how good of a man. I don't care how good of a woman you are. I don't really care anything about that. Because guess what? It ain't good enough. There's absolutely nothing that you can do to satisfy the wrath and judgment of a holy and righteous God. Your only chance is that cross... And the blood that was shed on it through Jesus Christ. Because that's your Abigail. Any other way is not good enough. But here's the deal. There's also another unsung hero in this story. And a lot of times we skip over these stories. And that's why it's so important for you to not only read Scripture, but to meditate on it. Because I knew there was something more to this story than what just meets the eye. Just those three characters. And it's this. Think about that servant. That servant. That is a huge term. That servant who went and warned Abigail. That servant has to have a reputation, right? I mean, here you are. You're, you are a servant. Pretend that you're the servant, and you're going to that your master's wife, and you're saying, hey, look here. This guy's an idiot. And you know what? What happened? He went and ran his mouth. And guess what's going to happen? This guy over here, he's going to come and kill him. And not only is going to kill him, he's going to kill everybody. Well, you know what? My wife loves me. Becky will stand in the gap for her husband, I promise you. If any one of you had gone to my wife and said, hey, Mark's an idiot, she might would agree with you sometimes, you know, depending on the day. But more likely, she's going to look at two things. She's going to see if that's out of character for Mark, and she's going to see how credible you are. Because guess what? If you're a busybody, if you're a gossiper, and you're not very trustworthy, chances are my wife probably ain't going to believe you, y'all. But if she knows your motives are pure, she knows you're an honest person, and she knows that you're coming out of a heart of love, she's probably going to pay attention to you, right? See, the servant in this story, to me, and I know I'm probably reading between the lines. I believe is those of us who know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. The question that I have for you this morning. Now, first off is if you're in Nabal, you can change that. Okay? You don't have to stay foolish thinking that, oh, I'm going to track through this life. I've got another 50 years, you know, to do what I want to, and then I'll think about getting saved. Well, you can take that chance you want to, but here's the deal: if you're wrong, um, you're really wrong, and you're in deep trouble because you're going to stand before our holy and righteous God, and you ain't got no Abigail on your side in Jesus Christ, and He's going He's going to judge you, and the wrath His wrath is going to be up upon you. Now, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you profess to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you got an obligation, right? you got to look at your reputation. You know, I think this story made me examine my life and say, look, am am I above reproach in every area of my life? There's things that I know that I still do wrong. And I know that I need God's grace, and I need the grace of other people because I know I don't always get it right. But, Steve, for over 20 years, he has preached this, and you have heard it come out of his mouth. The world has a right to expect more from those of us who know Jesus Christ than it does of the world, right? So my question to you this morning is this, is if this, if you were in this story, now, of course, you know, you think you may be an Abigail, you may be, you think you may be David or whatever, but here's the deal, you're a servant. You're a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you need to examine your life. If, if, if your whole, if, if we were a whole big family in, in this church, and if one of you were to come to, say, the leadership or something like that, and, and it banked on life and death, could we count on you? You know, does what does your life say? Does it say that you're honest, that you're trustworthy, that you're above reproach, you know, that you're not a busybody, that you're not a gossiper? Because here's the deal. is You may think your sin doesn't affect anybody, but let me tell you something, it affects everybody. It affects your family. It affects your marriage. It affects your children. It affects your co-workers. It affects this church body. It truly does. You and I have a right to be called children of God for a reason. And it's only because of the cross that Christ died on. Now, our job is to live a life worthy to be called children of God. So that's the challenge this morning, is look at this story and realize that, hey, I need to to change some things in my life. I need to change my tone. I need to change my vocabulary, my words. I need to change my attitude. You know, here's, here's the closer right here. In God's Spirit, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you get God's Spirit. In that Spirit, there's love, there's joy, there's peace, there's patience, there's kindness, there's goodness, there's faithfulness, there's gentleness, and there's self-control. Well, if you proclaim to know God and you have His Spirit in you, you have all those attributes— you you really do. Well, I've never been a patient person. Well, guess what you got now? If you got Jesus Christ, you got patience. You know what? I'm really not that kind of a person. i you know kindness is not my thing. You know, well, kindness is your thing because you have the Holy Spirit. So today, realize as children of God, as servants of God, you do have all of that and more. And it's our job to spread that word to other people in this community, your co-workers, your family. And here's the deal. Is I pray that you'll be able to see yourself in this story. You know, I pray you'll be like David. That you'll have forgiveness. That you'll realize that just like in Matthew, it says, Matthew six fifteen. it says, If you refuse to forgive others, guess what? Your father will not forgive your sins. So let me tell you something. If you have unforgiveness, well, you can, it's a choice. It truly is a choice. You can forgive. It's your choice. If you don't forgive, guess what? You ain't going to be forgiven. Not my words. That's God's word. God gives each one of us the opportunity to listen to the Abigail, to accept the Abigail in Jesus Christ, and eternal turn our life around. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that we do not have to go out the same way that we came in this morning. God, I know this story. We can relate with David. We can relate with Abigail. Lord, we can even relate with Nabal. But I pray that there will be no more Nabals in this room. Lord, if there's one that doesn't know you as their Lord and their Savior, that hasn't accepted Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross, I pray today will be the day of salvation. For those of us who know you, Lord, that we are your servants, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that we will live worthy of that calling. And, God, that we will be above reproach. That when people look at us, they will see love, joy. They see peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. God, your spirit is so alive. And God, thank you for allowing us the opportunity to have the Holy Spirit to come and live our lives so that we're not alone. And God, thank you so much for our Abigail in Jesus Christ. Lord, I praise you for that in Christ's name. Amen.